You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Likewise, people do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Try that again. I love it. There you are. That, um, that was operator error. That uh, our, our teens are memorizing this sermon and able to deliver it to us. And so thank you. Thank you every Sunday. Um, Evan is with me this morning, and so are some others. We live stream the sermon on our Facebook feed, and some of the people in Texas that are, are not able to meet at their church today have been directed by their, their ministers, their elders, to watch this instead at home. So I have a sister in Houston, works for MD Anderson, not heard from her today, but I'm sure she's all right. Many of us have people there, and we just want our Texas brothers and sisters to know we're praying for them night and day. We really are. We can't say, well, you know how you feel, because Tennessee has perfect weather all the time. But we care. We care. And I think that's, that, that's a very important thing. So you know Evan. Welcome him up here. So a couple weeks ago, Patrick um, gave a wonderful illustration from a time that he went into uh, get his haircut. And I thought, well, every really good sermon illustration comes when you get your haircut. So I went to Great Clips. Um, but I walked into Great Clips, and the first thing that uh, the barber said to me when I sit, sat down in the chair, he said, are you a banker? And I looked at him really confused. And I said, no. Do I look like one? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I said, well, uh, no, sorry, my brother's a banker. And he said, well, what do you do? Like, wh who are you? And I, was, I said, well, I do youth ministry just south of here. And, um, and he said, okay. And I said, but, I mean, youth minister, banker, we're both bad with money. So, like, we kind of work together in that way. <laughs> um, which I can say because my brother is a banker and he's watching. Um, but something in that moment that I was reminded of is how much we associate our vocation and our jobs with who we are. We often associate what we're doing with what our identity is. And Jesus, when he picks up, after he has thrown out all these blessings upon the people, what we've called the Beatitudes and what Patrick's brought us through the past couple weeks, he brings us to a point where he's no longer just identifying people for who they are in the kingdom and how they are brought in and preparing the way. But he gives this audience an identity. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand so that it may give light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
but Jesus doesn't speak with unfamiliar metaphors within this. He's not speaking to them with something that they have no idea with. He uses very common elements. He uses everyday elements. He uses salt and light, something that not only did these people know, but we know very well, and we know as necessities within our world. Determining what Jesus said is far, far easier than determining what his people heard. It's a different culture, different time. When we hear somebody being salty, we don't normally think of that as a good thing. Maybe salty language or that their personality has some very sharp edges. However, Jesus was speaking to a rural, and I have a hard time with the word rural, sorry, non-urban uh, audience, <laughs> one based in agriculture and fishing. And they would have heard something different than perhaps we hear. They would have heard Jesus telling them that they were the sources of life, growth, strength. I also find it interesting, he uses the present tense. He doesn't say, you should be. Instead, he says, you are. Life, growth, and strength out of salt, yes. In that day, many, in many ancient cultures, some used salt from the Dead Sea or wherever they could get it to fertilize the land. Now, this, this is a, a strange thing, but they figured this out. A little salt in the soil fertilizes it. A lot kills it. And they knew where that was. There, there's some evidence, and, and always people will say, no, no, but there's some evidence. I'll just put it that way that Native Americans taught the pilgrims how to fertilize their fields by using fish from the sea. That little bit of salt and a little bit of decomposing fish allowed the pilgrims to have crops and survive. We are the salt of the earth. We are the source of life for the people around us. We are the source of life for our cultures, just like in Sodom. In Sodom, God would have saved the entire city, and probably Gomorrah as well. We never talk about Gomorrah or the cities of the plains. But he probably, he said he would have saved Sodom if he could have found 10 people. That's not a lot of salt. It's just 10 people that were righteous. We are the salt that allows for life. And at the beginning of creation, God, as we see in Genesis, he's, his spirit is hovering over these waters, or as some will call chaos. But God doesn't hover over something that is just this scientific mass of matter. He doesn't hover over just all these protons and neutrons and electrons. God looks at this chaos, and he sees purpose. He sees potential for purpose, and he speaks into this chaos. He speaks into this chaos light and life. And he says, this chaos has purpose because it is going to be light. This chaos has purpose because it is going to be ground. This chaos has purpose because it's going to be sky, water, because he looks at this chaos and he says, there's more. What its identity is right now is not fulfilled. There is more potential. There is more opportunity. And when Jesus is speaking this message to the people, he brings this word light into the conversation. But he also brings this word salt. But he's recognizing that both of these things have purpose. And pretty specific purpose that without them, something is messed up. But he says these redundant questions or these redundant statements. And he says, 
if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Or, like, neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, he makes it very clear that salt and light have purpose, and their name means something. Their identity means something, and without recognizing who they are, they are absent. They are useless. If salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? If you put a light under a bowl, what is it good for? The realization here is that these images understand that there's an identity within these metaphors. There's an identity within these elements. Salt can't stop being salt, and light cannot stop being light. It's not just what they do, it's who they are. And, and this becomes more and more important. I talked uh, a bit ago about when you're young, you're finding your identity. That's, that never really ends, but it really slows down after a while because you're locked into one. You might be a banker like Evan, or you, you might be um, whatever he is, uh, and you, you might be this, that, or that, but you've locked into one. But regardless of your job, and this is, I think, where he was heading earlier, regardless of your job, regardless of your gender, regardless of your position in life, you are still salt and light. You have an identity in Christ which supersedes the rest. Here's something that they did not hear when Jesus said this, but it fascinates me anyway. Being God, I think it was in his mind, even if it wasn't in the mind of the hearers. He knew this would signal something later on in history. Salt and light are known to science as positive forces. They are reactants and reagents. They, in other words, you, you want them present, or you do not want them present in your procedure, your experiment, uh, your study. You, you are not neutral about this because the presence of salt or the presence of light or the absence of salt and the absence of light, all four of those make a difference and they must be factored into your equation or the entire study is flawed. Like salt giving life to the fields, so does light. Even those of you that don't like science, remember the, the term photosynthesis. Light does something for plants. We won't go into all of it and make your eyes bleed, but it, it does something there. It also gives us vitamin D. After all these years, people saying, stay out of the sun, stay out of the sun, the sun's killing you. Now they're saying, you know, we could use some sun. They do that all the time. Please remember, anytime a group of people in white coats are running through the the fields and forest and down the lane screaming, run. After a while, they'll say, stop running. It, it changes. We need sunlight. Some people suffer from the absence of sunlight. Now, I'm not talking here about rickets, which is a, a terrible disease for, for children especially that don't get enough vitamin D. I'm talking about people with seasonal affective disorder. There are a lot of them. If you don't know what that is, it's because you live in Tennessee. You get some sunshine here. But people from Colorado that move to Tennessee can get it. Because in Colorado, they have over 300 days of sunshine a year, and it's brilliant sunshine. And then you can come here where four or five days in a row, it's cloudy. And it throws their mental balance off. Or they could move to Michigan and go insane. <laughs> but there are other aspects of light. We need light, but light also is something we don't always want. It reveals what you, what you need to see. We've all seen the horror movies, haven't we? 
where they're, they're playing cellos. People, rule of thumb, if you hear cellos, it's a bad thing. It, it's a shark or an evil clown. Just don't, don't go there. But they will always go in. It's dark. They'll flick the switch. Nothing. Flick, 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 flick. Because that fixes electricity. Nothing. And they go in. Haven't we learned? Haven't we learned the mummy will get you? Don't go in the dark. There are certain things we should learn by now, but we don't. We need light. Walking anywhere without light is dangerous. We need light, but sometimes we don't want it. We don't want it shown on what we're doing or where we are. That's why some bars are kept very dark. Some places where evil is done is kept very dark. That's why, even though you need light, but you don't like it, you need salt, but you don't like it, according to where it was, that's why the apostles could preach the same message, same people, same message, 3,000 baptized, same people, same message, beaten and thrown into prison. Because sometimes people want salt and light, sometimes people don't. Sometimes we need to understand that our message, our presence, will be greeted with joy, but the same message, the same presence, will be greeted with horror or anger. I don't know how much of this Jesus here is understood, but we have some ideas of what they understood. There's a story um, of a first century rabbi being approached with this context of salt losing its saltiness. And this hearer of a message, whether they heard Jesus's message or something else, they approach this, this first century rabbi and they say, if salt loses its saltiness, like, what, what's it good for? What is it going to do? And then the rabbi immediately responds with, it's the afterbirth of a mule. Some of you may not understand this, but the people that hear that would have understood mules don't give birth. Therefore, there's no afterbirth of a mule. Therefore, if salt loses its saltiness, it is nothing. There is nothing there. It has lost what it was purposed for. It has lost its identity. The rabbi says, you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. <laughs> Salt and light have some commonalities, just like Patrick said. They not only will bring life into situations, not only will they show the reality of life, they will also bring truth. Some bakers use a pinch of salt to bring out the true sweetness of a pastry or a dessert. We all use a flashlight in dark places to be able to see what is truly there and what we cannot see before. Salt and light bring out the truth of what has been hidden, the truth of what we cannot see without it. But if they forget who they are, what are they, what are they good for? They're good for nothing. See, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Because we are salt and light, there is no dividing line between what we do and whom we live to serve. There can be no dividing line between what we do and whom we live to serve. 
our purpose has been made true from the beginning. Our purpose has been made truth and life for the world to know. And if we separate our occupation from who we are, if we separate our hobbies from who we are, if we separate our life from this building from who we are and who we were created to be and who we were called to be, we have forgotten our purpose. We have forgotten our identity. But it's also extremely important to remember that you do not put salt somewhere that there is already salt present. You, it's not the, the flavorful that needs more salt. It is that which lacks flavor that needs more truth and life. You don't add more salt to bacon. If you do, you're just gonna get a heart attack. The reality of it is, you don't add salt to something that is already well-preserved or well-flavored. You don't throw light at the sun. You don't take your flashlight out and be like, hey, son, look, I'm a big light too. It doesn't work like that. No, we bring salt into places that lack flavor, that lack truth, that lack life. And we bring light into places that are dark, that are hidden, and are without truth and life. Thinking of that, I thought of John D. Rockefeller, because he used to hire people, but he had an odd way of calling the herd. One time he took a man out to eat, and the man thought he had the job until he salted his food. And Rockefeller said, no, you don't have it. We're done. And the man said, why? And he said, you salted the food before you tasted it. Any man that makes an assumption about his food will make other assumptions that will cost me money. Whoa. And I agree, you know, adding salt to salt, you can have a heart attack, a tasty, tasty heart attack. <laughs> Which some would say is a negative. The point is, he's correct. Salt and light need to go where salt and light need to go. It does sound odd. But look at it this way. I can remember asking some people, who have you invited to church? Who have you asked to come along? Because people, Fourth Avenue should not be a secret. This is an amazing place, and there, you know people that need this. And I've had people respond, well, all my friends already worship somewhere. Well, that might be true, because Nashville is six flags over Jesus, and I get that. We're, we're, we're the center of the religious universe. Some people think it's Texas, but sorry, one of us is getting pounded by a hurricane. The other is... <laughs> blossoming. Now, and again, those people in Houston that are Church of Christ aren't afraid because we're not afraid of water. But <laughs> I thought of that. I told, I told Mark this this morning. I'm sorry, we're not on the notes anymore. Just you may, <laughs> you may want to go have a snack or something. <laughs> I told Mark, he sang the song, I, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. I get cold every time I hear that. Because that's what we would sing in Scotland before we'd walk into the North Sea or the Irish Sea, according to which side we're on, to baptize somebody. And it wasn't so much declaring our allegiance as in getting our nerve up to walk into that. And you'd always have somebody there making up another verse to delay it. And then somebody else saying, could we no go to Sprinkling? Saying, stop it, you know. Um, but deciding to go... I know, you've got friends, they go to church. Or you've got friends, they say they go to church. You've got friends that are religious. All right, then what's the point of your salt and light? Aren't you supposed to go somewhere where that's needed? I'm not asking you to move from your house. How about 
Franktown, one gen away. What about all of our, well, we could just keep going here. All of our ministries, why don't you go where salt and light are needed? You might need to go to uncomfortable places. If you can be removed from your area and nobody notice the difference, you're not salt or light. I think of that because sometimes I'm guilty of it. In my neighborhood, I think, what would happen if I left? Sometimes they would think, well, the grumpy old guy that lives there is gone. But I, I remember I was, <laughs> I was there. We were there like two weeks, and some kids come and just stood and stared at us. We were in our driveway, and they're just staring. I'm going, okay. I walked over, and the, the girl there is probably 10. She goes, you're the Scottish priest. And I'm going, well, <laughs> that got interesting very quickly. Um, <laughs> There are a lot of correctives that need to be done, but how do we do this? You know, I'm, I'm married. You might want to notice that. And, and, and so we, we went from there. The point is, I often ask myself, what would happen if I left? And sometimes the answer is not complimentary to me. I need to be more salty. I need to be more light. And if, there's, if it's saturated where we are, like I, I was also going to say, I'm, my son gave me a huge flashlight. It's, it's got 4D cells in it. It's, it's got every, Wi-Fi. It's got everything on it. And I, I can lift it with help, and I, and I enjoy it. Sometimes I need a flashlight to find it because it's rolled too far under something. But in the middle of the day, it's useless if I have light. And I love what Jesus said. And then you can, you can rejoin us now. Um, he didn't come to the healthy. He came to the sick. So we should be around the sick. He intentionally targeted those who needed his salt and light, and so should we. Yes, the Lord of creation. Jesus wasn't just this rabbi. He wasn't just another person. He was the Lord of creation that was re-speaking this message. God looked over this chaos, these waters, and said, let there be light. Jesus looked in front of these crowds, these people who came to listen to him, and he said, let there be light. And he wasn't speaking in the way of a new creation in the form of, I'm going to start all over and do a new earth and a new place. But he says, no, you are the light I'm speaking of. You are the light that I'm calling into place. I'm redeeming you from what you've been called as sinners, what you've been called as broken people, and I'm speaking to you to be redeemers of this creation with me to be this new light, to be this new salt for the earth, to bring life and to bring truth. But the truth of the matter is, as Patrick spoke, salt is only so purposeful within the shaker. We have this opportunity to um, have all of our grains in this little container, to be able to look really nice on the centerpiece of our table. But if it's not poured out, if it's not used, then it's purposeless. Then it, it's lost its identity. See, this is the salt shaker. This room is the salt shaker. But if we choose to not be poured out into the world and to not be poured out onto God's people and show them what true life and true living and truth really is, then we have, we've simply just removed this opportunity for purpose to be reinstated into their lives. 
We've removed this opportunity to be uh, to have people be called back into this story, called back into this kingdom that God has prepared for us, that God is inviting his people into. But this is not just something for the youth, just like Lindsay said, just like the word of God says. This is not just for the youth. This is not just for the old. This is not just for anyone in between. This is for all of his people who call upon his name. So I invite you all to stand with me as we read this scripture that is ascending scripture that Jesus says to his people. So read with me. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. 